Hi, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. It's great to be able to spend some time with you today. Thank you for being with me. Now, I want to make a couple of really quick points. Um, number one, I, this is not breaking. I'm not reporting this. This is literally just my gut feeling. Um, again, experience based on um, experience, based on knowledge, et cetera. Um, I think today is probably going to be the day, could be tomorrow, that the Raiders announce a GM. At this point, I still think it's going to be Champ Kelly. Um, I'll get into more on that, whether he gets the job or not. I'll get more into that after the hiring of why I felt that way consistently throughout the process. Um, and I will share that with you, I promise. Uh, additionally, um, I'm just saying that because if it is today and you're watching it later in the day, I, I tape this, I think right now it's 2.12 in the morning. So just wanted to make you aware of where we are as far as time frames. So when you watch the video, you'll know. There are three candidates for the general manager job. It's really still a, a two-horse race. I'm going to explain all this in a minute with my expectations still being that Champ Kelly gets it. Um, I'm going to go through and talk about all of the different candidates um, just so you have some good working knowledge of each of them. First is Tom Telesco. Tom was the um, general manager of the Bolt of the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, some of his strengths is he's a terrific evaluator of talent. Really, really good. Um, he did not handle all of the contracts with Los Angeles. Um, I talked with, with several people. Um, he and I share some very good mutual friends, um, as well as I talked with some people in the organization because they're in salary cap hell. And I was told by a member of the organization who really likes Tom, um, who potentially, if Tom were the general manager, could even maybe even come here. Um, that said to me, um, he didn't necessarily handle all of the contracts. Um, he said, but he did oversee it. And he goes, if that, if that was an area under his purview that, that struggled, it would be the salary cap. They're now $40 million over the cap, $40 million over the cap. Now, Ziegler and Champ did a tremendous job with contracts and salary cap management. Um, so I'm not doing this. Here's a Telesco. Here's something that champ does better, but, um, that's just the reality. Um, he hired Brandon Staley, one of the worst coaches in the NFL. Um, didn't you know, and the, the bolts were stuck with him. So we know that he's a Bill Polian disciple, which means he learned from Bill Polian, who's one of the best. It's not Ron Wolf, who is the best, but Bill Pullian, man, he's up there um, as one of the best general managers of all time. So you like his pedigree. Tremendously good man. Tremendously good man. Very honorable. Um, according to players, his word is everything. He's trustworthy, which is you got to have that in a general manager. Another thing that you got to have in a general manager is that they've got to be egoless because the owner loves to be loved in every organization. And the coach has to be loved 
for the respect issue. So when you have a general manager who's all worried about their, you know, what credit they get, what credit they don't get, you create an avenue of a lot of trouble. So you're going to get a guy who's egoless. You're going to get a guy, if they go in that direction, who is a brilliant evaluator of talent. And somebody that I know who I consider a great friend, not a good friend, a great friend, been friends with them for, she was 26 years, uh, knows Tom exceptionally well, said he's a brilliant evaluator of talent. He's a man of character. He's a man of integrity. Um, again, maybe didn't do every contract in Los Angeles, but certainly as a general manager was an overseer of it. And now they're in cap hell and then hired Staley. Um, now I asked uh, two different people, what Staley was such a bad coach. Why do you think he hired Staley? And both, um, without knowing that I talked to the other, both pretty much had the same answers, different words, but they talked about Sean McVay had been very, very popular and they were looking and they thought he was looking for the next up and comer and just married himself to the wrong guy. Okay. That happens. Everybody swings and misses and strikes out, but that's the story on Telesco. Um, to me, I think this is a guy that you probably do, would want in your organization. Um, but based upon the salary cap hell that they're in, Staley, um, I'm, I don't know that. Um, well, let's just say on ranking the candidates, I put him third. I, I could see him joining the organization. In fact, let me give you a quote that uh, someone who knows him regularly very well said. As soon as I saw his name linked to the Raiders, I thought, man, this would be a great assistant GM job for him. So there's the story on Telesco. Again, Bill Polian disciple, man of integrity, man of great character, trusted, did not do all the contracts in Los Angeles, and they're in salary cap hell. So it's very important to point that out. But was the general manager and over it and the, the big Staley mistake. Next, of course, is Ed Dodds, which we've talked about a lot. So I'm not going to talk about him a lot. And it's not because I'm minimalizing him. It's because we've already talked about him a lot. This is a guy that's been with the Colts nine years. Um, previous uh, experience for another 12 with another NFL team. Um, this is a guy that uh, very respected as an evaluator of talent. He's never sat in the chair or Telesco and Champ have. And um, Mark Davis has said in previous interviews that he would be nervous about having a first-time GM and a first-time coach. But Mark also said he wanted to hire the GM first. So, I mean, I don't – and that's not a slam on Mark. It's just the reality. Sometimes what Mark likes and wants isn't what he does. But – Dodds has never been in the big chair, but he's very respected. He's been in some organizations that have done a lot of good things, and he's very well respected. I did not, in all of my research on these three guys, there was not one negative that I heard, not one. So find that to be very interesting. 
And then Champ Kelly, who we already know is in the chair. We've already talked ad nauseum about his experience and everything that he's done, the overhauling of the Raiders scouting department, um, the respect he already has in the building, the respect he has around the league. And he's already been in the chair. So technically you're not hiring somebody who doesn't have experience. He's been in there 10 weeks and um, the Raiders are in a very good shape salary cap wise. And he was certainly part of that with Dave Ziegler. So that's the three candidates. Now, when it's over, whether Champ gets the job or not, I will provide for you why I have said all along that I thought he is the guy. Um, well, if he gets the job, I won't. It doesn't. Okay, I will. Sorry. See, sometimes I disagree with myself, so that's why I don't have a problem with critics. <laughs> but um, whether he gets the job or not, I'll talk about why I've said all along I think he is the number one candidate. Um, I still think that Champ gets it. Um, I certainly think that Dodds has a, a a good chance to get it. I don't think this is a slam dunk for Champ. If I were doing the hire, slam dunk. Um, I don't think it is, but I still think Champ's there. And then Dodds, and I think Telesco's down the list a little bit, but I think he's in third place. Again, my anticipation, and I'm doing this super early in the morning, on um, uh, Tuesday, but my anticipation is that we'll probably get this announcement today. I, I, but who knows, right? I said on a national radio show yesterday. I mean, if it's not Champ Kelly, this is a colossal bungling of how it's been handled. Hey. I've not heard one bad thing talking about personal character wise of any of the three candidates. Not one. All three have done a lot of good. So whoever they hire, I have no dog in the hunt. I think they should hire champ. I, um, I respect champ. I like champ, no champ. Um, so do I want to see my my friend ascend to the job? Yeah. I think he's earned it. I want to see anybody that's earned something get it. And I think he's perfect for the Raiders. But, you know, whoever they hire, I have no reason to dislike the hire because they're good people and they're people who do their jobs at a high level. Um, Dodds, I would point out, you know, just not the experience, in Telesco, I would point out the Staley and the and the salary cap situation. Um, I've had a lot of you ask me, what do you think about um, adding more than one of them like they did last time with Champ and Ziegler? I totally believe that's on the table. And in fact, um, I know for a fact that it's been that there's been discussion about it. That's all I know. Um, man, I think if you could, when you add, anytime you add good people to your organization, that is a brilliant move. Brilliant move. Um, I'm friends with a very, very, very successful businessman. And I remember one time we were going on a hunting trip and he met uh, this person 
who was extremely helpful to us and very good. Now, they had no idea that this person is mega wealthy, mega, thousands of employees. And they just saw two guys in jeans and we were on our way on a hunting trip. And this person was so helpful that he looked at this lady and said, would you be willing to relocate if you got a job making enough money? And she said, "Um, yeah, I think I would. And he goes, do you have any degrees? Do you have any skills? She just shares a few things with him. And he literally said to her, I'm going to ask you a personal question. I'm married. I'm not hitting on you, but I own a couple of companies. Can you tell me what you make? She worked for the airline and she told him what he made. And he said, I will double it and pay your moving expenses if you'll move to, and he named the state where he, where he wanted her to work. She goes, you're kidding. He goes, no. And he handed her his card. He goes, I'm going on a hunting trip. And I think, you know, this was like a Wednesday or Thursday. And he goes, listen, today's Wednesday or Thursday. Call me a week from Monday. And he goes, call me at this number. Gives him his card. He goes, only call me once. Don't, don't use that number multiple times unless I tell you, but call me on Monday. When he ended up hiring her and I were on the plane and I'm like, did you even need anybody for that? He goes, no. He goes, but you never, ever turn down a chance to hire really good people. And I go, how do you know she's really good? And he shared with me a couple of things that she did for us that I just perceived as her job. And he talked about how she did it, the way she talked to a fellow employee, the way she talked to us as customers. He goes, man, I really need her. I mean, he only knew her five minutes, but he knew her. And to the best of my knowledge, we haven't talked about her, but I think she still works for him. And this was 10 years ago. So if she doesn't, I don't know. But the point was, he goes, you never miss an opportunity to hire and accumulate great people. You create pitch positions for them. Um, I know an NFL team one time that selected a player they did not need. But he had dropped in the draft um, because there were rumors of an injury. And my buddy, who was uh, running an NFL franchise at the time, um, was getting ready to draft. And uh, he told me, he goes, I'm going to grab him. He goes, everybody thinks we won't because we don't need him. Well, I'm grabbing him. I'm like, why would you grab him? You don't need him at all. If I was a team behind you, I would think uh, they're not picking him. He goes, because he's he's a dude. And you never miss a chance to draft a dude. And for those of you that don't know, I've talked at length about what a dude is. And you can go back and find that. In fact, I think I mentioned it even on yesterday's podcast. So you're always looking to upgrade. So, yeah, I think if there's a way and, you know, if you're going to hire Champ Kelly as your GM or one of these other gentlemen, but you say, hey, here's a pool of guys for an assistant GM, or is there another position that we can find available for them? And they want them. I, I, here's the thing. You're getting into the danger zone. If you're going to hire Champ, you don't say you got to hire Dodds or you have to hire Telesco. But you can say, hey, here's a pool of guys. If you want to look at that, I think you have to let coaches hire their own staff, let GMs hire their own staff. You just you have to. In my opinion, I don't know of an organization that has been successful where it was dictated on the coach who his staff's going to be or 
dictated on the GM who his staff's going to be. I know of several organizations where owners have said, or presidents, hey, we like this guy. He's a good guy. Do you think he fits with us? Can we make room? And then the general manager looked at it, acquiesced, and said, yeah, you're right. That's a good guy. Let's bring him in. See, the other day I talked about esprit de corps, and I think some of you may have misunderstood what I it's a what I said. It's a military term from the Marines, which means there's unity of purpose. When you had John Gruden and Mike Mayock, or you had um, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, it was esprit de corps because it was a clear, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. So, all right, do what you're told. But esprit de corps is, okay, we know who the boss is, but we have an environment you can disagree. See, a general manager and a coach and the general manager comes up and says, I'm picking this guy. And the coach says, I don't want him. I've got a guy. Well, I'm cutting him. All right. That happens a lot. But you want a relationship where the general manager is the boss and he comes up to the coach and says, coach, listen, I know you love this guy. And you may remember a few days ago, I told you about Hank Bulla. He was the defensive coordinator when the Colts won the Super Bowl uh, with Johnny Unitas. And he was the Buffalo Bills head coach. He was also the inventor of the NFL draft board. And so he, you know, he wanted to be able to judge a player and can I upgrade? So let's say that you're a red 84. Okay. Now red represented defense. Okay. And an 84 is a very high number. That's a starter in the NFL, according to the Hank Bullet board. Okay. Red 84. But all of a sudden, here's a kid coming along out of college that is a red 80, red 82 with a lot more upside. He's going to be cheaper. And this guy's year 10 in the league. The rookie is a rookie with a chance to develop. So you get to save money, get almost the same player, and one with a bigger ceiling. Okay? So the coach is like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Why? Well, we're friends. We hunt. Our wives are friends. Whatever. No, you can't have that. But when you have a coach who can say to the general manager, you know, listen, I agree with you. But we're a year away, or maybe this is our year we think we can win the division. If you put a rookie there, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. He's going to make rookie mistakes. And that position is so vital to us that I love the idea of picking them. But we don't have a whole lot of depth behind them, but the depth we have is signed to contracts we really can't get rid of. And the general manager says, all right, good point. You want there to be able to be disagreement without being disagreeable. That's a spree de corps. Everybody's got to put their cards on the table, but then somebody has to be able to make the decision. That's not been the way in the Raiders as of late. And so what I'm saying to you is, this is why you hire your general manager first. He knows the vision, the, 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 the macro vision of what he wants in the franchise. Then he goes and hires a coach who can deliver it on a micro level. Then you let the coach hire. Now, it doesn't mean the GM comes in and says, listen, I had experience with this guy. He's a great offensive line coach. And the coach says, oh, cool, I'll interview him. But I already got a guy I really want, I believe in. All right, general manager says, okay, cool. Hire your guy. But the coach would be smart enough to at least interview him. And esprit de corps is, is if your mind's open and you say, yeah, I, I think your guy's better, hire him. That's esprit de corps. We know that we already have that with Champ. 
And with AP, Champ's clearly the boss. He's the general manager. But there's complete esprit de corps there. Again, it doesn't mean dictatorship. It means esprit de corps. All right. Now we're going to move on and talk about um, offensive coordinators. I'm going to give you four names today that I know are of interest. I think there's a couple more that I'm aware of. I know there's a, there's three more that there is interest in, but I've not yet um, been able to confirm the level of interest. These four I'm going to give you today, and we're going to talk about them. First is uh, Edgar Bennett, tremendous coach on the Raiders. This guy is a great coach, great coach, and incredibly well-respected. He is a tremendous leader. He is a tremendous football mind. Um, you know, not the same personality of a Patrick Graham. But he is very uh, similar to Patrick. And this is a guy that flies under the radar, was almost the interim coach. It was down to him and AP. Um, Edgar is universally respected by everyone on the team, like AP was. Players love him. Um, players on both sides of the ball feel very comfortable coming to him, talking to him. He is a leader. He's a father figure. He's a man of incredible integrity. He knows NFL and NFL offense backwards, forwards, frontwards. Whoever you hire, you won't hire one who, who knows the game any better than Edgar. Um, tremendous man. I don't think he's at the top of the list, but I, he's on the list, and he's a legitimate candidate. So Edgar Bennett. Number two, um, Eric Bieniemy. Now, this one's not gotten any coverage. I got this tip last night. Um, if he does not get a head coaching job, that's obviously his desire. Um, there is a massive potential um, that you know he's going to get a good look by the Raiders. Um, he is very well respected. He knows the Chiefs which is the team that you're, you're every day when the Raiders get up 365 days a year, they have to have attention on the chiefs. You get to be the man, you got to beat the man and they're the man. So he knows that franchise backwards, forwards, inwards and out. If you look at when he left Kansas city, they lose Tyreek Hill, win a super bowl. They lose the enemy and the offense has really struggled. Now let's not pretend like Andy Reid does not have a massive hand in the offense. We all know he does. Not saying that he doesn't. That would be disrespectful to you, and it would be an insult to your football acumen. But the reality is he did have, He was a big part of it. He goes to the commanders, where his coach, Ron Rivera, did the unthinkable and threw him under the roof. If I had been the Washington commanders, in leadership, the moment Ron Rivera did it, I would have fired him right on the spot. What a turd move. He is a guy that fits AP. He is a emotional, fired-up guy, but he's also extremely demanding. He helped Patrick Mahomes significantly in developing staying in the pocket, which is really good. Um 
He's very good with quarterbacks. He's very good scheming. Um, again, either one, Edgar or Eric, to me, are viable and very, very good candidates. Be would be happy with either one if I was Mark Davis. Okay, next we're going to talk about Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff is, you guys know, he was a college coach, and then he um, went to the Cardinals, where the Cardinals. I, the Cardinals struggled with him. Cliff Kingsbury struggled with him. Um, I'm going to have more on Cliff. Um, if he emerges as even more of a candidate, I think there are some great concerns about him. Um, and just the discipline in his leadership. Um, I talked with a bunch of people who are very familiar with Cliff some that played for him in Arizona um, on the offensive side of the ball. So um, I had one person tell me they really like him, good guy, but wasn't a whole lot of discipline. And they feel like the Cardinals left a lot of meat on the bone um, with that lack of discipline that it really hurt them, really hurt them. So that's fascinating to me. Um, I'm just so I, Cliff knows the game. He played the game. He likes a spread wide open offense, which, okay, I'm not against that offense. But when you're AP and you want a running game, downhill, physical, it's not a mesh. Now, perhaps Cliff says, listen. That's the style when I was a coach or an off or a coordinator that I ran, but I have the ability to run the offense you want. I've been around it. I've coached it previously or been an assistant previously. So there's a lot of options there. Concerned about the discipline. And when I say discipline, it's not like, you know, my son Dexter Ernest Wayne Carpenter is 18 months. I'm not talking about disciplining adult grown football players like their children. I mean, AP is a disciplinarian. But you see the cigars in the locker room and the cheering and the laughing and the having of fun. When I say discipline, it's it's just keeping it regimented, keeping the team focused, keeping it centered. You know, AP has that ability. And, and you guys may remember this. I shared this previously. To be a player's coach, a lot of people have the uh, perception a player's coach is You know, everybody gets to do what everybody wants because there's no discipline. No, a player's coach is the ability to love your guys, have fun, but still be the leader. I, I would equate it this way. I heard it said this way one time, and I thought it was a brilliant analogy. You know, you see parents who, who will go out drinking with their kids. Okay, no leadership. You know, they'll let their kids do whatever they want. You know, you got a 12-year-old kid smoking dope and out getting drunk and with their parents. Well, no direction. Okay. But if your kid's 21, 25, 28, whatever, and you go out, nice Italian restaurant, have a glass of wine and sit there and relax, that's not lack of discipline. It's understanding that you have to make it fun, but there has to be. There's concerns about the discipline nature 
of Cliff Kingsbury. Not character issues. So that's one. But again, he may have some coaching in his background that I'm that where he's coached smash mouth football. He may have a relationship with AP where AP can tell him what he wants and is confident. Do I think he is an uh, option at offensive coordinator? Yes. Do I think right now I would put him at the top of the list? No. And then the last one I want to talk about, and uh, I want to make sure that I have his name correct. So give me a second here. Um, is yeah, um, Zach Robinson. I was going to say Roberts. I'm glad I checked. Zach Robinson. He is the passing. Sorry, I had to read the text of the person that was texting me about him. Passing game coordinator with the Rams. Um, he is a bright up and comer. This guy is a bright up and comer. I had a a person who is very familiar with the Detroit Lions and very familiar with the Rams, um, who is part of the Rams organization right now. Tell me that. Yeah, tell me yesterday. In fact, I'll just read it to you. Zach's brilliant. I love everything there is about Zach. He has discipline like Sean, but he thinks outside the box on offense like Sean. He's not a Sean disciple, but I would literally say to you, if I was starting a team today, that would be my offensive coordinator. I love him, and that would really hurt us. There you go. So Zach Robinson. And that's kind of the four main candidates. Again, there are some others that I'm aware of of interest. I just have not been able yet to ascertain how big the interest is, so there's no sense naming them. I know that they've asked permission to uh, – let me just say this. I was told that they've asked permission to interview Zach. Um, Cliff is unemployed. I don't believe that they'll need permission there. That's the uh, Remember, he was the Arizona coach and was fired. He may have locked on with the team um, – I don't know his contract situation. Eric Bieniemy is, you know, waiting to see what he's if he's going to do a head coaching job with the Commanders or what's going to go on there. He's still with the Commanders, so at some point they would have to ask permission. I don't believe that they've done that yet. And then Edgar's already on staff, so there you go. That is the looking at the four offensive coordinators. All four are extremely talented. If I had to pick today, if somebody said to me, Honda, you got to pick an offensive coordinator today. I really like Edgar Bennett a lot. I like Eric Bieniemy, and I like Zach Robinson. And so I don't. I, luckily, I'm not 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 luckily. I hate the word luck. Uh, fortunately, um, I'm not making that pick. But I, if either one of those three, I don't think you go wrong. You know what you have in Edgar, and you know your players really like them. I think that's valuable. Um, but again, of the three that I'm aware of, two of them I'm very high on. Very, very high on. And what I like is AB is going to cast a wide net looking for something specific. Looking for something specific. And one of them really like a lot of experience. Y'all would love them. So, again, there's some great names here. There's three names that, again, I'm waiting to, do, to be a find out the potential. 
And, uh, but I, I, I'm telling you as somebody that's not a fan, but as an analyst and is analytic of the team that cares about the team. And I do, um, at this point sitting here, I have zero concerns about Raider offensive coordinator. I like the direction that AP has cast his vision. I like that. Uh, uh, quick story. So years ago, I am down and I'm fishing in Oklahoma. And uh, so we're down there fishing, having a great time. And we're fishing an area where my buddy had caught numerous uh, 10 pound plus largemouth bass. Numerous using right lures, um, right equipment. And we fished, I mean, two days hard, hard. We would, I, I would venture to say we probably fished close to 30 hours in two days. I mean, we, 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 we fished now. We were hard at it. And we caught, you know, some fish, but none of, nothing over 10 pounds, which is what I was looking for. And the point of the matter is, is sometimes you can be, you can be in the right area have the right equipment, the right equipment, and the fish just aren't biting. So you know what? You when when you're looking for guys, looking for offensive coordinators, you look in the right areas. You throw your baits in the right areas. You throw your lures in the right areas. You fish in the right spots. Sometimes you don't always get it right. All right, I got to let you go. I greatly appreciate all of you. I'm thankful for you. Follow us on IG when you go to. Uh, Hondo SR on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Hondo Carpenter. Go to si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Raiders for uh, all your the great articles. We had 15 articles yesterday. Sign up for the newsletter. Appreciate all of you. We'll see you again tomorrow. God bless you. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa.